Hey everyone, this is the Mr. Mike Agostino, and the views expressed on this show are mine and mine alone. I do not have any affiliation with Sport Lisboa Benfica. I do not represent Sport Lisboa Benfica. I do not represent any Casas do Benfica, any supporters group, any other type of organization officially um, established within um, Sport Lisboa Benfica. These views are completely mine. They are 100% unsanctioned and 100% independent. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 15 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. How is everyone doing this weekend? It is time for another Benfica match this weekend. I don't know about all of you, but man, Sunday can't come fast enough. Um, very excited as, as everyone is for the end of this season, but at the same time, I'm uh, getting a little bit sad about the end of the season too. I mean, this has been such a hyper focus of mine for the last fourteen weeks, um, just going from match to match to match, and it's uh, it's flown by. And here we are at the very end now. Two two hurdles left in the re- in this marathon. Um, we're almost across the finish line. We're in the lead. We've got a tough one this week away at Hiwav. I will be previewing that later in the podcast. Also coming up today, we will review. The Portimonense match from last Sunday. The match that, uh, as some of you, if you listened last week on episode 13, uh, you heard that I had fully intended to review the match last week and then technical uh, difficulties or recording difficulties prevented me from uploading uh, about 40 minutes worth of content that I had recorded. I gave it two tries last week. Uh second try, I think, was about 30 minutes, and, and nothing would upload that night. Um, so so we're redoing it one more time, but that's all right. Um, it will uh, it'll be good to, to go back now as we prepare for the match this weekend against Riuav. It'll be good to look back to last week's match um, with more perspective now and more, uh, more uh, hindsight towards how the match went and what needs to be improved going in to this absolutely crucial, crucial away match at Riuav this weekend in Vila do Conde, okay? Um, I could have recorded. <laughs> Some of you caught it. I want to thank everybody who uh, caught episode 14, a very special um, breaking news emergency edition 
uh, of the podcast that I dropped about two nights ago on on Wednesday night. Uh, I just I I had to put something out there because um, if you didn't catch it, uh, Befica's match against Santa Clara sold out in a matter of hours on Thursday, and um, if you're not aware. Thousands upon thousands of Befiquistas, especially those abroad, were shut out from purchasing tickets as Befica's website crashed. And as I'm learning from other people in my circles now and other Befiquistas with, with, you know, a history of experiencing this, it seems like this website crashes whenever there's a big match for you know, for better or worse, it seems like it continues to crash whenever there's a big match. It can't handle the demand. Or there's, you know, conspiracy theorists, if you want to call it that, that I possibly may subscribe to also that um, want the website to crash. And uh, I will, I'll actually, I'll hit on that now a little bit because I've been exchanging uh, Twitter DMs with, with Mario from Benfica After 90. Um, I spent a good deal of time last night uh, talking with them, exchanging messages. And um, those of you, again, that listened to episode 14 earlier in the week about the ticketing uh, disaster, you heard some some audio from him about what he thought was going on. And we've been, we've been chatting. And um, since, since that episode has dropped, Benfica has... <laughs> Uh, released, released if you want, um, advertised availability for these, these, um, whatever you call them, luxury, I don't know if they're luxury boxes like we call them here in the United States, but so these VIP tickets for 350 euros, for just 350 euros, you can still get into the sold out match, um, and it comes with, you know, with catering and all that nonsense, and, um, you know, Mario is pretty pretty sure, and I, I am in full agreement with him. This is an absolute extortion of of foreign-based or abroad-based Benfica fans. Luis Felipe Vieira knows people had flights, rooms, cars booked to get to Lisbon for this match. Essentially, it appears he took tickets off of the market, out of the general public. He converted them into these VIP uh Suites, these VIP tickets, much more expensive than the the going rate on a match ticket. Knowing that people had, you know, already invested so much money to travel, leaves them little choice but to either pay up and get in or f- go to Portugal for nothing. Um, and it, it, if that's in fact the case, that's absolutely disgraceful. You know, I come on here week after week, and I criticize our rivals. Okay, I criticize other clubs. I I cannot I cannot walk around, you know, and not also criticize our club when they pull this kind of crap. Okay, um, this is shady. This is not in the principles. Not in. In, within the values, you know, consistent with the values of Sport Lisboa Benfica. Sport Lisboa Benfica is a equipa do povo. It's a, the team of the people. A working class club that before our eyes is turning into a 
a upper class, uh, you know, an, uh, a luxury club, a club for the elite. You know, sometimes um, the the people. <sighs> Money does not grow on trees, and there's this misconception. That those of us that live abroad are just made of money. I expect better from Benfica. I expect better from Benfica. Now, as Mario was saying, this is quickly evolving into a situation. And I, I spoke with him that I kind of foresee this. Being here in the United States, we're very familiar, or in his case in Canada, North America, we're very familiar with the way that tickets are distributed here. Um, you got your season ticket holders, okay? For all intents and purposes, that is the Red Pass holders, okay? Supposedly 37,000 or so tickets at every match, if you could play at home, are Red Pass tickets. That means those people own that seat for the entire season or for half the season, depending on the package that they purchased. That's... A, to put it in North American standards, that's comparable, almost equal to the number of Seattle Sounders season ticket holders. Their number of season tickets per season is, is very close. It's it's above 30,000, and it's very close to that 40,000 season ticket holder, season ticket holder, uh, Mark. And I know that because I've heard this and because through, through my time as a coach and through my time in, in football in the United States, I've met people and I've met people who've met people and I've had conversations with people, um, plenty of people within major league soccer. The goal of Seattle Sounders is to one day be like an NFL team here in the United States, National Football League, or to be like the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees, um, you know, the Chicago Cubs, like the L.A. Lakers, like these big North American franchises where it's all season ticket holders and you, you build this really nice big waiting list of people waiting to get season tickets. All right, people sign up, they get on that waiting list to get season tickets. And um, eventually, the general public just can't buy tickets anymore. That's that is the reality of what a boss, what getting tickets for Boston Red Sox is like. You can't get tickets from the Red Sox themselves. Season ticket holders have them all, almost all of them. Okay, so you're left to to purchase them from third parties. Okay, because season ticket holders can't go to every match, or typically don't go to every match. They resell their season tickets. An agency like StubHub or Ace Tickets. Um, you know, SeatGeek, these these agencies, these services, buy up these extra tickets that people sell them and triple the price of them, and then that's your choice. If you want to go see the Red Sox play at Fenway Park, if you want to go to see, you know, the the New York Giants play at MetLife Stadium, if you want, or the Dallas Cowboys in American football, the Los Angeles Lakers, you want to see a big franchise like that, you got to pay... That 300% increase in ticket prices just to go to one game. Benfica is quickly becoming uh, that as well. And I know, like I said, I've been told by people that know that Seattle Sounders want to be in that group of, of franchises here in the United States, in that group of clubs, professional teams, where tickets are so in demand that people actually, when they die, 
they will their season tickets to their to their their kids and then and so forth. I'm very afraid that pretty soon there's no way to guarantee a Benfica ticket if I should go to Portugal without having a red pass. So what's going to happen? People like me, people like Mario, you know, people like Mags, people like um, like Nina, people like Alfredo and Cristiano. If we want to see our Benfica, we're going to have to buy these red pass living in America for the one, two, three games a season, if that, that we're, we'll be lucky enough to get to. And the club is creating that. It shouldn't, the, the, the fans should not be criticized for, for picking up those red passes for the occasions that they can go. It's not the fans' fault that a seat's going to be empty for, you know, 17 out of 18 home matches or whatever. That's not, you know, you pay $300 or whatever, 275 euros for a, for a, a red pass. Which is still cheaper than a VIP ticket that, that Luis Felipe is selling. And you know, you just have to get yourself to Portugal and for whatever games you're there for, you'll know you have a ticket. I hope that it doesn't go this way, but I'm very, very, very... Uh, certain that it is going that way. Unless the club changes its uh, its direction. But anyway, if you want to hear more about that, check out episode 14, okay? Um, before we move forward to the news, I just want to hit real quickly on my reaction to the, the UEFA Champions League semis this week. Um, excellent matches. I was able to catch some of, of them. Um... Very, very happy. I'm not a Liverpool supporter. Let me say that first of all. I hardly root for Liverpool. I hardly am behind them, but... Thank you, Liverpool. (laughs) Barcelona are once again out. And all of the Messi fanboys are pissed. No offense. Okay. But the so-called GOAT... Went missing in that second leg. He may have been brilliant in the first leg. And he was. He may be the best player on the planet. I'm not going to dispute that. But he is wearing that captain's armband. Where was he when that ship was sinking? The captain is the last man off the shipping sink. The sinking ship, excuse me. Where was Lionel? As that ship sunk, you know, in the port of Liverpool... Where was the captain? I didn't see him yelling to his teammates. I didn't see him, you know, I didn't see him trying to pick his teammates up. I didn't see him trying to calm his keeper down. Just kind of walked all over the pitch. He walked. Maybe a great player. He's not captain material. That's what, partially why Argentina fails. And as he keeps losing part of his core team at Barcelona... They're finding it harder and harder in the Champions League. That's two collapses in back-to-back seasons in the Champions League. Epic collapses for Barcelona. And um, questions need to be asked, not about his play, but about Messi's leadership capabilities. It's only fair to question that. If it was another player in that role, and I'm not even going to mention names, you know who he is, you know that they, if he had not scored when his team was eliminated in both games... 
that they didn't get through on in their both legs. He he performed. Had he not, he would not be the excuse that the other ten lost it like like is being used for Barcelona. And this was said by uh, Brazilian Ronaldo this week that it's not fair to blame the the rest of the team and not Messi. Um, I agree full full with that. I don't care what he did in the first leg. Where was the captain? And also, big congratulations to a, a friend of the show, a friend of Benfica, Pete Domican in London, a, a avid Benfica fan who is also a Spurs season ticket holder. I believe he's a season ticket holder. He's a Spurs supporter for sure. Congratulations, Pete. I think most of us are in your corner in the Champions League final when you play Liverpool. How great it would be to see Tottenham Hotspur lift the European Cup. And uh, the last thing I wanted to say today, uh, before we, we move forward with the news, okay? It's one other non-Benfica related, um, one other Benfica non-related bit of, of news that broke today, okay? Um, or yesterday, I should say. Um, as those of you, most of you know now, I, I'm here, I'm in New England, I'm in Boston, um, outside of Boston, Massachusetts in the United States, the local club, a club I have a, you know, I've had ties to in the past, the New England Revolution, um, a club I do not support, I want to make that perfectly clear, I'm not a fan, I do not support the New England Revolution, okay, um, I was in, how, how do you say this, I was on a staff of a team that had an official affiliation with the New England Revolution. I got very close to the New England Revolution. I got to know people at New England Revolution. So though I don't support the team, I don't like the team. I don't like the front office of the team, the board. I don't like the owner. There are members of the staff I do. I, do, I have made friends with, with some staff members in that club. Okay, and last night... The manager, the head coach, Brad Friedel, was sacked by New England Revolution. Uh, a pitiful season they're having, and it's 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 what ownership deserves. They're having the type of season they deserve. They're getting out of this season what ownership puts into it. Brad Friedel has not done a good job coaching, that's true, but he is hardly the problem there. But I'm not going to celebrate his sacking, okay? And I needed to say this only because this is my platform. Because I do see a lot, some some of uh, Benfica supporters here in New England are Revolution fans. Nina covers the team. You know Nina from Azagish. She has press credentials at Gillette Stadium. Nina, do not tell them you know me. Okay, you want to keep those press credentials. One day I'll record a podcast and tell you why you don't want to tell them you know me. Okay, um, but having been close to that situation, that situation is a dumpster fire. Okay. Um, the manager being sacked does not only affect the manager, okay? So I do have concerns because I know people in the staff, okay? Whenever the manager gets sacked, the new manager could very easily bring in a whole new staff and wipe out hardworking professionals who have, who, through no fault of their own, you know, the team is, is suffering. The team is, is, is despicable. I mean, they're the worst... I'm sorry, they're the worst soccer team I've ever seen put on, on a field. But I have acquaintances and friends, some of which 
are in that staff. Okay, some they were retained from Jay Heaps' staff to Brad Friedel's staff. I'm hopeful the new coach will retain these people. That was my alarm to go back to work. <laughs> Give me, but I'll finish this up. Okay, in saying that, I am hopeful that uh, everyone keeps their job under Brad Friedel. What people don't realize, and because I spent so much of my career as an assistant coach, when the head coach gets sacked, the hardworking men and women underneath the head coach typically also go. Okay, um, hopefully they will keep their jobs. Just because they're at Major League Soccer, they don't make a lot of money. Okay, um, it could it can be a devastating blow to be sacked from uh, from the team. All right, especially a team where you're not given a chance to succeed at. That's all I'm gonna say about the New England Revolution. Um, this isn't their podcast, obviously, um, but I just wanted to put out there and give a, a, a I wanted to sound out support for the staff members um, at this tough time for them. All right, everybody, um, stay right there. We have Reconquista coming up and then the news, and I'll be right back on the other side. tonight. Okay, we got plenty to talk about this week in terms of news. We're going to start right in hockey. Okay, quad hockey, EuroLeague, Final Four this weekend. Um, the four best teams left in all of Europe. Three of the four are Portuguese. In the first semifinal, you have FC Barcelona taking on FC Porto. And to me, I think it's, it's kind of hilarious that you have 
two hockey teams named Football Club do Porto and Football Club Barcelona. Um, I know it's the same club, but you would think they would, in 2019, um, brand each sport just slightly differently. I think it would, it would be uh, a little bit a better marketing, a little bit better branding. Um, but that's not the way they do it in, in Europe at least not on the Iberian Peninsula in Spain and Portugal. So anyway, you have Porto versus Barcelona in the first semifinal. The winner will take on the winner of Benfica and Sporting. Uh, Benfica and Sporting are bitter rivals. Sporting, one of the top teams back in hockey now. Um, as of last season, uh, they returned to the top of the Portuguese hockey world. Um, before that, they had, they had been on hiatus for a little while. Mefica, you'll remember, were EuroLeague champions uh, a few years back, probably four or five years back, beating Porto in the final at the Dragão Caixa, all right, the arena in Porto. Uh, so Mefica has a good history of playing European Final Fours in rivals' buildings. This time, the Final Four is being played in the Pavilhão João Rocha in Lisbon, home of Sporting Clube de Portugal, and Mefica will try to win the championship there when the European championship on the same floor that the volleyball team won the Portuguese championship on just a week ago um, and this this will be interesting so the semifinals will be tomorrow with the final being the next day um, again at the Pavilion João Rocha the second item of news tonight is that the Liga Noj has announced Hugo Miguel, Hugo Miguel, excuse me, is the referee for Benfica's uh, away game this weekend, their road tie at Rio Ave. Carlos Sistra will be refereeing Porto's game on the road at Nacional. Um, a game in which has been often criticized, and right, rightfully so, uh, by the time that game kicks off on the Madeira Island, Nacional could already be relegated if Shavs win their game tomorrow, uh, Sunday. Um, also in the news, uh, broke this week, great news for Benfica, Rafa re-signs until 2024. He's going to see a significant uh, raise in his wages, and the, his agents had said that while... Um, there was interest from Newcastle United. His priority was to re-sign with Benfica, and they have come to an agreement. Also breaking today, in uh, courtesy of Abola, it's announced that uh, João Félix and Benfica are extremely close, if not have closed the deal to, to keep João Félix at Benfica for another season. Um, it reported that Luis Felipe Vieira and the player's agent, George Menz, the super agent, have come to terms, and João Félix will be Benfica's highest-paid player next season, earning 2.5 million euros next season, coming out to about 200,000 euros a week. Unbelievable for a what will be a 20-year-old next season. I hope it's true. Like I said, I hope we see another season from him. He can really, really increase his value in the transfer market if he shows the consistency to come back for a second season and continue to to impress and continue to progress in the Befica uh, outfit and continuing to, you know, increase his, his stats and his production. And I think you will see his transfer value shoot up. I think Befica in the end are going to 
be in an even better place when it does come time to sell Juan Felix. And I believe, if this is true, the player will be better prepared to go abroad um, after another season in the Liga Nage. Also, we got some uh, updates on uh, Benfica basketball or Basket Benfica, hashtag Basket Benfica, uh, winning game one of their Liga Portuguesa Basket uh, playoff first round game over CAB Madeira. They were victorious earlier today. The final score was 92 to 63, and Benfica was led with 15 points by. Fabio Lima, as well as Arnett Holman, also with 15 points. Befica are also back, if you head back to footy, back to the football uh, pitch, Befica have reportedly signed and closed the deal to bring Venezuelan striker Jonder to the Luge from Vitoria Stubel, where he was on loan from his Venezuelan team this season, uh, reported $3 million in the transfer deal. And also, it, it sounds like Chiquinho is very close to also being signed from Moreirense. So, the transfer market's starting to heat up. The season's not over yet. Uh, these are distractions, in my opinion, that, that can really unsettle a team. Um, I understand re-signings are a big thing. Signing players from other teams, though, I feel like is something that really should be put off until the end of the season. However, the way it's made, the way it's... Um, governed in Portugal. If a signing is made, it does have to be reported because Benfica are a, uh, a member's club and there is a procedure you have to go through in which, just like a a company, a, pri- a publicly traded company here in the United States must disclose their transactions, so player transfers must be disclosed in Portugal. Um, so it sounds like those two are made. Also, there's a report of Barcelona's backup goalie um, being linked with Benfica. Um, if that is true, then that would mean that somebody would be the odd man out. And you have Odi, Svilar, and Zlobin already. So this would bring a fourth goalkeeper in. And... I'm inclined to think that it's time for Svilar to go out on loan for a season or two. Go to Moreirense, go to Riuave, go to, you know, Boavista. One of these teams in the Portuguese league where, where he can be monitored closely and where he will get a lot of work and he'll get, get a chance to really establish himself as a starter in the league. Um, also announced just today, this is also news, Benfica players Florentino, Jetson, Nuno Santos, and Jota were all selected to the final 22-man roster for Portugal's under-20 national team, heading to the under-20 World Cup at the end of the of the month. Um, and with that said, I will announce that over on my brand new, not even yet launched, but soon to be brand new. Anchor channel. I have moved the Park in the Bus channel from Podbean to Anchor, so I've moved it. Okay, I'll be launching it. Mr. Benfica episode two will launch on uh, that on that platform shortly, where I will go over the roster for the Portugal U20s. Okay, so that's a a, a, a spoiler alert, if you will. 
um, coming in the next couple of weeks. Um, unfortunately, episode one has been lost because Podbean took it down. Um, I I eventually moved the network away. I moved the content from Podbean because I was not happy with the distribution that I was getting from Podbean. Um, you know, I, I was I was investing money as well as time. And those, those shows were just not being distributed and not being downloaded, not being heard by anybody. And when I canceled my Podbean subscription, they deleted my work. So uh, it will be starting from scratch on Anchor. Um, there'll be more information about that as shows get produced. All right. And that is the news this week, guys. Um, when we get back, we're going to hear a little bit of some audio from the weekend's game, okay? And then after that, we'll get right into the match with Portimonense, or Puertimonense, if you ask me, okay? <laughs> Porto B, a lot of people are calling them, and I'm not going to say that that's not true. The way they came out this weekend, they were not the same team that got run over by by Porto in Portimão. So uh, we'll get into that match on the other side of this break. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mister and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. You can tweet or instant message, direct message, whatever you want. Uh, your comments, questions, any of that to me. You can send me the voice messages. If you send me a voice message, uh, I'll play it on the air. All right. And later at the end of this show tonight, I have um, a question. I have some some question from a friend of the show, listener Neil. He sent me a couple voice comments this morning, and I will play them and answer them at the end of the show tonight. All right. So stay right there. I'll be right back. Uh, we're going to be talking about the five-one victory over Portimonense. This is the Mister Benfica podcast, part of the Parking the Bus podcast family. Faz para o lado direito, muito espaço para a equipa visitante. Zabata está isolado, pode marcar, já passou! Golo do Porto e Morense! Golo do Porto e Morense, marca Bruno Zabata! Um dos mais perigosos neste ataque, Algarvio tinha avisado para isso. Bruno Lá já visão deste jogo. Confirmam-se as dificuldades e o Portimonense está mesmo na frente com este gol de Bruno Tabata depois de uma melhor entrada na segunda parte do que aconteceu com a equipa do Benfica, semelhante ao que se tinha passado na primeira parte. Tendo em conta tudo isso, José Calado, o Benfica está a perder bem na luz. Resultado justíssimo. Uh, está a ganhar a melhor equipa em campo. Não estou entendendo o Benfica. Uh, a equipa tem jogar para o título, não tem que ter medo da pressão, não tem que ter medo de ganhar. Eu se fosse ao Bruno Lage, logo na primeira parte já tinha feito substituições. Há jogadores que não estão a render, nota-se que alguns deles parecem nem querem a bola nos pés. E o Benfica, se tiver esta atitude e se não mudar a atitude, não ganha o jogo. Joras, minuto 11 pela segunda jornada consecutiva. Atenção, Rafa Pombarcá está isolado e... Gol do Benfica! Atrapalhou-se 
brasileiro e Rafa não aproveitou na cara de Ricardo Ferreira faz o golo do empate para a equipa do Benfica. Aproveita um erro a equipa de Bruno Lage para fazer o golo do empate através de Rafa em grande forma na equipa do Benfica. Tudo Celso da Clara. E o Rafa, para mim, está a ser o melhor do Benfica. Ele e Vlacodimos têm sido os melhores odisseias. Acabou por aproveitar e fazer o gol. Acho que caiu do céu, mas atenção, o jogo não acabou. E, e espero que o Benfica abra os olhos, porque senão não consegue ganhar este jogo. Mais um jogo, até o momento de 60 minutos, para mim, horríveis por parte da equipa do Benfica. Vai o Benfica novamente. just heard there was some audio from CMTV in Portugal, the Correio da Manhã TV channel. Um, and if you've never seen what they do on game day, because they don't have any t any rights to televise, they, ha they show you pundits watching the game. So you watch their reactions. Pretty uh, different way of, of experiencing the game. But um, why I like... Um, Why I like CMTV's coverage is representing Benfica. They do have José Calado, who was originally a pundit on BTV, who I, I always liked. And um, what you heard there was essentially a five-minute recap of the first 20 minutes of the second half where the match uh, really, where the story was told in this match. Um, the goal, the first goal from Portimonense was in there. And you heard José Calado, if you understood Portuguese, uh, say that 
it was a just result that the better team on the day was winning when Portimonense went ahead. He actually even criticized Brutalage to an extent, saying that if he had been Lage, he would have made some substitutions at halftime as the team was struggling, and he said it was just a, a disastrous game up to that point for Benfica, and it was. And he said that they were just playing very, very poorly, and... Um, was saying that something had to change, and then quickly the gears changed. As you heard, um, Rafa's first goal come in, and then she asks the moderator, she asks Jose Calado, this this goal just fall out of the sky? And he said, absolutely, absolutely out of the sky. Um, shortly thereafter, the YouTube clip didn't even catch the, the build-up to the second goal. It came so quickly, it just... Uh, just gave you the reaction to the second goal as Rafa would score the second goal to put Befica ahead. And then she turned to the Porto supporter and asked uh, asked him if he if Portimonense were going to make a comeback. He said he hopes so, but he doubts it. And he said it was a completely unjust result at that point. Saying Befica did not deserve to win. Calado agreed. Blah, 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 they went on. But from that moment forward, the match completely flipped on its head. And um, it, it, those 20 minutes are really the turning point in this match. We'll go through the match now. Um, but Benfica, the 5-1 result, very, very misleading in this matchup, okay? They were pushed very close to the limit by Portimonense. Um, no doubt a Melita waiting for them in Portimo <laughs> had this result had this result held on and or had they taken some points um, there's no doubt that this would have been uh, quite the cause for celebration as uh, there would have been some cash waiting back in Portimo for these players but um, Befica woke up in enough time to turn the thing around but uh, really they're really cutting this too close for my liking. Um, I know Bruno Lage, um explains away a little bit, and coaches do these things. They're not going to put extra added pressure on their team, as he said. You know, it's not just us that are are coming back. It's that he said holding Benfica, you know, off off the scoreboard for so long for an hour, absolutely destroys a team's uh, a team's physical capacity. And he says that they're breaking the team at the hour mark. Um, I don't tend to agree from what I've seen in the last two games. I think what happens is the nerves and the pressure just builds up. And Befica are not pl- do not play well with pressure. It's been proven time and time again this this second half of the season. They did great when they were eight, seven points behind. Okay, They played without a care in the world and got themselves back into the race. Pulled ahead, and since they've been ahead, they've been a little, a little bit less spectacular. At least, especially in the starting phases of matches, um, there's no question that this team is facing pressure, and this team feels pressure. This team is young; their youth is showing. Certain players are making mistakes they weren't making six weeks ago. Okay, and we'll go down the down the minute by minute and talk about it, but. Um, Florentino especially, really, really struggling right now. Um, errant passes, giving the ball away. Give, really should have been goals that were given away, but a lot, some luck has really played into Benfica's hands 
um, now that they've gotten the lead. They have been lucky in so, in these last two matches especially um, to get out with these lopsided results that neither of these last two results was really indicative of the story that the match told, okay? Uh, let's get into the lineups first. We'll start with, as usual, the uh, opposition will start with Portimones or Puerto Puertimones, if you'd like, because they really are a uh, a a Porto B in a real sense. Um, I know I probably said last week that um, that I disagreed with, with uh, and if I didn't say it, I'll say it now. I disagree with the notion that Braga is some kind of Befica B. But maybe that's because I am looking through red glasses at that point, through red shades, I don't know. But this team, um, the absolutely abysmal performance that this Portimonense team put on the field against Football Club de Porto a couple weeks ago in their home stadium um, was indicative to me. And then the absolutely stellar performance they put in the first hour of this match tells me this is a much better team than they showed against Porto. And, um, you know... Given who this team is coached by, I'm not going to call into question anybody's professionalism, but I don't think he minds. He minded dropping points to Porto, and I don't think he would have minded taking points off Benfica and giving a little bit of a of a boost to his former club. So um, Antonio Folha's side, uh, Portimonés, with Ricardo Ferreira in goal. Across the back, they would play with the four-four-two. Across the back, the left back was Ruben Fernandes. Jadson was the center back, along with Lucas Posignolo. Uh and Vitor Tormena is the right back. The midfield, strong midfield from this team. The left back was Lucas Fernandes. Uh, the two center mids, Pedro Sá and Enrique, and Paulinho, the Porto uh, product. Uh, Levy's on loan from Porto. Uh, he would. The right-sided midfield up front, the talented, very talented Tabata and Denner Clement were the strike pair. Okay, Benfica would go also in a four-four-two, starting with Odie in goal once again. One of his better performances this season, I must say. Um, Odysseus Blacodemos, the now Greek international, the right back was Andre Almeida. Another great performance, uh, especially for his standards from the Benfica. Vice captain, the center back pairing. There was a change here. Ruben Diaz out on suspension for yellow card accumulation. The veteran and the captain Jardel back into the starting eleven. He pairs for the first time with with uh, Ferro, um, and the left back is Grimaldo. Midfield, uh, back to the normal midfield uh, that we saw also in Braga. We have Florentino and Samaris as the center back pairing, as a six and a six and a half essentially. The right mid was Pizzi, and down the left was Rafa. Okay, up front, our normal strike pairing that we have seen in the Bruno Lage era. João Felix and Aris Seferovic. Let's get to the ticker as we look here. Um, Befica coming into the match, of course, uh, on form. Uh, five straight victories in the league. Okay, Portimonense. Not so much on form. They'd won only one of their last five. And I don't really understand why. After the effort they put in in this match. Had they, I believe have, had they put that effort in in every match. They'd be higher up the table. Alright. Right off the bat. You see Pedro Sa winning a free kick uh, in under a minute. 
And we'll fast forward here to the eighth minute. Seferovic has a, sh a left-footed shot saved um, on a ball, a through ball given to him by Joao Felix. Um, in the tenth minute, Enrique Enrique has a right-footed shot from a difficult, difficult angle. Um, on the left side of the box, saved in the center of the goal by Odi. Um, later in the 10th minute, Denner again, or I should say Portimonense again, by, this time by way of Denner, right-footed shot from the center of the box, too high. Um, 11th minute, Rafa wins a free kick, fouled by Pedro Sa. Nothing comes of it. A corner kick conceded by Lucas Possagnolo. Uh, Befica... Win another corner immediately this time, conceded by Pedro Sa, but nothing coming out of these early corners. Um, Denner with another missed opportunity, a right-footed shot this time from the center of the box. It was close, but missed to the left. He had received a nice pass from Paulinho. 22nd minute, we have Andreas Samadis bringing down Ruben Fernandes, winning a free kick on the left wing. Nothing came of it um, as Ruben Fernandes' left-footed shot from outside the box was high and wide on that set-piece situation. Um, another attempt missed 26 minute. João Felix's header is too high. Rafa with the cross. Rafa kind of uh, hung this cross a little too much. Rafa's usually very good at, at driving those crosses in. Uh, you think back early in the season to the 1-1 draw with Sporting at home. Uh, losing late in the game, Rafa... Puts in a, a perfect cross for João Félix. Similar build-up, similar play here. However, the cross was hung a little too high in the air. João Félix catches the ball on his way down rather than, than right at the perfect moment. Thus, heading it too high and over. He doesn't get enough on the ball and it ends up going up instead of, instead of going in direction of the goal. Pizzi has a left-footed shot saved in the 27th minute from the center of the box. Um, Samadish wins another free kick when he's fouled by Paulinho in the 28th. In the 29th, Paulinho handles the ball. In the 32nd, another foul from Vitor Tormena um, on PZ, But nothing coming of any of these set pieces. This one happens to be blocked. João Felix gets a right-footed shot from outside the box in which he was assisted off the set piece by PZ. Um, as the game starts heading towards... The uh, break, Portimonense starts growing a bit in, in stature in the match here. Uh, 30, 33rd minute, Bruno Tabata, oh, Tabata, I believe is how you spell it. I don't see any, um, don't remember if there's any accents in his name. Before the game, interestingly enough, this guy, Bruno Tabata, uh, a year ago, took the title from Befica, as we were reminded, uh, when he was playing for Tondela, scoring, I believe, two goals in that match for Benfica to lose and, and essentially hand the title to Porto last year. Before the match, Tabata said that he was going to again take the title away from Benfica. Um, and in the 33rd minute, he comes close, but has his attempt to block his right-footed shot uh, from just outside the box was blocked. In the 35th, off of a corner, Befica has an attempt blocked as Grimaldo's left-footed shot from the left side of the box was blocked. Pizzi assisted him with the through ball once the ball was poorly cleared out on the corner. Um, on the 39th, another attempt blocked as Jardel's header in the center of the box was blocked. Pizzi had the cross. 
40th dangerous moment as Bruno Tavata again right-footed shot from the right side of the box was saved in the center of the goal by Odie. Odie made some really nice saves in this game. I have to say he made a few saves coming out where he had to make himself big and he'd make lower lower leg saves when he'd leave his leg on the ground. Benfica at this point very lucky not to be behind. Um Another one in the 40th minute, a corner again uh, for Portimonense. This one conceded by Fejo. Fejo had a really tough first half. Um, very slow on the ball. Uh, you could see, and there was a difference, he switched sides. Okay, Fejo normally plays on the other side of the center-back pairing. He he switched sides with uh, where he normally plays to accommodate to accommodate Jardel, and he was also very slow with the ball on his feet. He was pickpocketed a few times with the ball on his feet by the Portimonense players. Um, one time resulting in, in, in some dangerous play, but uh, Benfica finds their way to the half without being behind. I thought they were very fortunate in this regard. Um, at this point, I was looking to to uh, Bruno Lage, wondering if he's going to make any changes. Um you heard in the clip earlier from CAMTV that Kaladu had said that he thought that he would have made a switch at halftime. I was thinking perhaps it was time for a switch. I wasn't really sure. Looking at the bench, what where he was going to go, what his options were. Uh, we had I knew we had Jonas on the bench, and Jonas was always going to be the first one to throw be thrown into the match. It was just a question of where, and um, not really. Sure, what he was going to go with, but Bruno Lage decided to keep the same eleven on the field. Uh, in the forty-eighth minute, a foul by Samari. Samari's struggling a bit. Um, I know my father had said this, and my father is smarter than I am when it comes to football. Uh, if I'm the Mister, he he's the original Mister, um, and he sees things I don't see sometimes, and sometimes I see things he doesn't see. And we were chatting about this. And he says that he notices that Samadij lately has not been playing as well. I chalk it up to losing his partner there, uh, Gabriel. There was some real magic between the two of them. They had a chemistry that worked. And what's happened is Samadij's role has changed just a bit. I mean, he's playing well, but not lights out the way he was earlier in the second half of the season when he first returned to the starting lineup. Um, and I think part of that is due to the the change, okay, the, the role change, and he's playing a little bit more, he's expected to play a little more offensively, a little more creative, now that Florentino is his partner, sitting in a little bit deeper, playing more of a true six. Um, and with Florentino having a tough game, Samadish also has to do extra work, okay? There's a lot of recovery, and... You know, he, he, he's, he's, I won't say he's struggling, but he's not playing at the, you know, an 8 or 9 rating like he was for a while there. He's playing more like a, maybe a 6.5 to a 7 rating. Um, and I think it is due mostly to the change in uh, his role within the team and within that midfield. Uh, in the 48th minute, Pedro Sa has a header in the center of box. That is close, but it missed just left when he was uh, fed a, a brilliant cross from Paulinho. Uh, 49th minute, okay, Seferovic has a left-footed shot outside the box, missed to the right. Okay, Seferovic really, really struggling. This is, I think, the third match now. 
where he was struggling. He's getting brilliant opportunities. He's walking in. He's being fed, you know, right to his, his preferred left foot in the sweet spot of the box. And he's just not capitalizing. He's just not finishing. Um, strikers go through this. Anybody who's played the game at pretty much any level, if you've played as a striker uh, for any extended period of time, you know the types of ups and downs you go through. Right now, Seferovic in a downward uh, trend right now. However, still very high work rate, doing a lot of things right aside from his finishing. Really applying pressure, holding the ball up, opening space for his teammates. So he does more than just... Than just that, you know, he he he's having his struggles in front of goal, but still getting a lot done. So I'm not gonna harp too much on Seferovic, but you can see he's trying very hard to get goals, and um, he'd been stuck on 19 for a bit, and Bruno Fernandes is you know is approaching in the Golden Boot race. Not to say that Benfica really care who wins the Golden Boot. Benfica's trying to win the title. They're trying to win whatever way they can. But when you're a striker and you're looking to score goals, your job is to score goals, you start to second-guess yourself the, mo- the longer you go without a goal. And two minutes later in the 51st, Juan Felix has a left-footed shot from the center of the box saved by Ricardo uh, Pizzi had set him up, but again, the goalkeeper comes up for Portimones. And in the 52nd minute, it's the call you heard there. Um, the through ball comes in. Bruno Tabata walks in untouched, okay? Um, Fejo's out of position, and Jardel does not shift. Big disconnect between the two center backs, leaving a gaping hole for Tabata to walk down. And this time, after having you know been stopped a few times by Odi has the sense to dribble the keeper and he does it Enrique with the nice ball into that gap. Tabata dribbles the goalkeeper and slides it in and the literal the literal personification of the expression umbal de agua fria a bucket of ice water um as they say in Portuguese it's and as the stadium goes pretty much silent with the exception of the small Portimonense cheering section. And, of course, uh, Porto's team, you know, this is the first week in a long time Befica played before Porto. Porto's either on their bus at their hotel or already at the stadium for their game against Sportivo Zavs. And I'm sure at this point they're going nuts. The Porto players, they're well aware Benfica have gone behind, and they're getting amped up. They're getting psyched. They're getting perhaps even more focused for their match ahead, believing maybe they can turn this thing around and still finish the round on top. Um, and the Stadio de Luz is trying to get behind the team, but there's a nervous energy in the stadium. There's no question, okay? Nervous energy in the stadium. The players have... Nerves all over their faces, especially the youngsters. Like I said, you know, uh, Florentino, Ferro, those two guys mostly playing very nervous, not their normal selves, okay? Not the normal selves. Um, Florentino's been booked at this point. The foot mob app is not showing the yellow card at this point, but I know that he had been booked by this point because I remember at this time. 
I'm wanting, you know, I see, first, Gold TV, <laughs> the, 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 the camera shows Tarapt getting instructions from Bruno, Bruno Lige. He's getting, the, the only instructions he's getting, and you can read it by the coach's body language, is he's telling him to warm up. And, um, you know, the, the color commentator was the return of Omar, um, Omar to the, to the Gold TV broadcast team, and he says in Spanish there, he says, creo que no es, uh, no es la, lo mejor opción, okay, when he sees Tarapt on camera. I believe that's not the best option. Um, and I'm wondering to myself, really, Tarapt is, is the one that's going to come on. But then the camera cuts to the center, uh, the, the midfield line where the players enter. Jonas has already got his tracksuit off. He's got his penny off, his, his bib. He, he's ready to come in. He's being checked by the fourth official. And then Omar says, <laughs> Ahora sí. Ahora sí. Now, okay. Um, he understands. Jonas is going to come on. So the substitution is made in the 60th minute. Jonas on, and Andreas Samaris is the one coming off. And this, and this um, has consistently been, I wouldn't say criticized, but questioned by just about everybody I've listened to all week. Okay, it was questioned, it was a question by the commentary. Uh, I'm sure on both networks, whether it was on BitTV or on Gold TV. Um, it was questioned on Benfica FM. It was questioned on Benfica Podcast. Uh, I believe Azagi is the girl's question this. You know, uh, I think everyone and their mother <laughs> expected uh, Tino to be the one to come off. Florentino Luis, right? I mean, it only makes sense if a striker for a defensive mid and you slide the more experienced, better form, better in form, Samadish back a little bit into that into the hole. Nope, Bruno Lage went with Jonas for Samadish, okay? Uh, kept Florentino on. Florentino, to the credit of Bruno Lage, plays, played better once Samadish was not next to him. It looks like he understands his role better um, when playing with somebody else, but it was, you know, PC was the one who slid, slid inside at this point. And though I said, you know, Tino played better, uh, PC in the middle... Tactically, is a disaster. He he's just not in the right place most of the time. It's not his strength. That's why he's not really that strong playing as an eight. And what happens is Florentino has got a lot more space to cover. But he's also he also seemed to relax and felt more natural in that role of flying around. But it was it was within a minute um, while applying pressure. Okay, Jonas applies pressure. He's amped up. He just stepped onto the pitch. And he forces a mistake um, as, as I believe it was Paulinho, heads the ball back towards towards um, the, the center back pairing. Okay, The ball goes a little high and the Portimonez player, I'm not, I don't recall which defender it was, lets that ball ride a little bit. He's not very aware and Rafa is on his horse. He, he's flying. He sneaks in, literally underneath the defender. If it was anyone any bigger, I think the defender easily bodies him off the ball. Rafa small enough to sneak in under the under really. I mean, 
The Portimonez player squares up nicely, just like you would expect your defender to do. He stretches his arms out, gains position, but Rafa is, is so small that he sneaks in underneath the arms, gets position, gets a touch past the past the, the back line, and he's in on goal. And what's most impressive to me is he's coming at full speed. And the way he has just the, the, the perfect touch Pass over and pass the goalie. Okay, it was an exquisite touch, an exquisite chip. To do that at the incredible pace Rafa's running in at, to me, was phenomenal. Um, anyone who's ever ran full speed at the ball and been carrying the ball full speed knows how hard it is to just come up at the ball and then just give it the slightest little touch. When you have all that momentum behind you, you've made a 20-yard dash, okay? And you just touch it so ever so perfectly over the, the goalkeeper, and the ball rolls into the goal, and the stadium breathes a sigh of relief and uh, comes to to to, <laughs> to understand. Befica's gone back into first place in the live score, right? And at least the the notion, and they said this on Cassette Vermelha, you know, the notion that, okay, we're back in first, at very least, you know, it's 1-1, we'll still be in first place at the end of the game, and at the end of the round, regardless of what happens in the other game. And Rafa gets the ball, he runs it back to the center circle quickly. That's in the 61st minute, okay? 62nd minute, Rafa has another chance. I mean, Grimaldo breaks in, he does great, he plays the ball along the ground, a driven cross along the ground, Rafa gets to it, but the goalkeeper, Ricardo, makes a fantastic save with, the, I believe it was with his legs, as um, Rafa nearly made it 2-1, to one, and at this point, I think if you're a Benfica supporter, I know I felt a lot more comfortable at this point. I said, ah, okay, this second goal is coming. We, we've gained control. We've turned this game around, and now we're in control. We've been on our heels the, for the first hour. Now we're in control. And you can see the belief in the Portimonense players start to dissipate. You can see now the the fitness levels dropping, and now they're they've switched their focus from going after the game, attacking to let's hold on to what we got. Uh, in the sixty third minute, Grimaldo gets a nice a nice effort, left footed shot outside the box, another good save from Ricardo. He pushes it wide. Um, PZ was the one finding Rafa on that, uh, not Rafa, excuse me, finding Grimaldo on that play. And Grimaldo's preferred left foot finds its way towards goal, but a very nice save from Portimonense's keeper, Ricardo. But a minute later, uh, an absolute explosion in the Stadio de Luge, okay? The ball is played um, to, the, the ball is played across, and it was, I believe, PZ playing it in towards... Seferovic. Seferovic gets position. Um, very close call, but the review uh, or the VAR video review would confirm that Seferovic is onside. Seferovic plays the ball across, okay? It finds its way to Rafa. Rafa, with a, you know, falling back, manages to get enough on the ball as the goalkeeper's coming across. He plays it. Towards the top corner to the side where the goalkeeper had just come from, right? So Ricardo is shuffling across his line because it's a cross that came in. Um, Ricardo is shuffling across his line. Rafa also running towards the ball, sort of off balance, falling back, manages to get enough of it. 
and he manages to send the ball across his body back towards exactly where the goalie is coming from. He, you know, Ricardo sticks his arms and his foot back, can't get anything on it, and really a much harder finish than the one that Rafa had just had saved seconds earlier, and the stadium explodes, absolutely explodes, as Benfica's bench empties, they're on the pitch mobbing, you know, they're on the ground mobbing Rafa, he's got two goals now, Benfica ahead, a giant alleviu, that, that sense of alleviu, all right, this is a word I keep using week after week. Leave you, meaning relief, just a sigh of relief, just a, a breath of air, as if you've been holding your breath for an hour and finally found the oxygen. Um, the stadium comes alive. The club, the the players on the pitch come alive. Benfica now are feeling like uh, they've got control of this one. Three points are there now to be to be held on to. And Benfica feel like they're still going to take this two-point cushion, two cushion into the next round. Um, and unfortunately, Benfica, after this goal, sit back a little too much. We got a substitution in the 71st minute. And it is Rooster coming on for Denaire Clement. Okay, Denaire comes off. Um, but Benfica's, again, starting to sit back the way they were in the first half. Starting to let Portimonez play again, giving them a second wind, and Portimonez put some very good effort, uh, very good efforts on goal here. Seventy fourth minute, Lucas Fernandes left footed shot from outside the box, good save by Odie again. Okay, um, still in the seventy fourth minute, another one, Tabata again a left footed shot from outside the box, Odie goes to the bottom left corner to make a fantastic save. Okay. Uh, Odisej Vlakodimos having a very good game. It had been a while since we'd had a really good, good game from him like this. But he was he was worth the two point the two points he lost against Code City earlier in the season. He he made up for in this game because I think he saved Benfica points when this game was two to one and zero zero. He made a lot of saves to hold the result as it was. Seventy fifth minute, we have a foul from Andre Almeida on Paulinho. Again, Florentino with another foul in the 77th. And I'm getting nervous at this point. For the second week in a row, I'm nervous this kid is going to get sent off. Okay, um, Still on the limits of not sure how to play on a yellow card. You know, he struggles a little bit on the physical limits. He's a young player. It's something that will come with time. Okay. Um, but in the 78th, the substitution is made, but surprisingly, it is Jedson coming on not for Florentino. Um, of course, at this point, Florentino is the holding mid, and an attacking substitution is not really what the game is calling for. So it is João Felix coming off, a forward for a, for a mid. What happens here is Felix goes central, and PZ goes wide to the right now. Back to the right where he was playing earlier. Okay. And the middle is short up. And this substitution, even with the two kids, uh, Florentino and Jetson, which we said in the new section, this very well will be the midfield pairing for Portugal at the Under-20 World Cup. And I, let me, at this point, also take the, a moment, because I didn't mention it in the news. I did tweet it out. Uh, congratulations also in, in order to Benfica's U19 and U23 goalkeeper 
Carlos CJ Dos Santos, okay, called in to the United States under-20 national team for the under-20 World Cup. I wanted to get that in because I missed it in the news section. I apologize, CJ. All right. Uh, clearly, one of the players I'm following as close as, as I possibly can is he's a Befica player, Portuguese Cape Verdean descent, born in the United States, representing the United States on the international stage. So very happy to see Benfica represented not just in the Portugal under-20s, but in the United States as well. Congratulations to CJ back to this match. This pairing now, I think, solidifies the midfield. And from this moment forward, um, Benfica's got control of the match again. And, and now they're able to see it out. And I think the doubt is, is again, alleviated, 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 relieved as Benfica... Uh, strengthens their midfield there and starts controlling the match going forward. And in the 83rd minute, it is put to bed when uh, PZ back in his much more, um, much more efficient right-sided uh, position has the ball, plays an absolutely perfect ball into Seferovic. Again, Seferovic just hugging the the last, just hugging the line, in line with the last man, gets the ball, gets a left-footed shot from a tough angle, buries it in the bottom right corner, beating Ricardo. The stadium erupts again. Seferovic erupts as he's finally found the back of the net for his 20th goal of the season. Seven minutes from full-time, and Benfica now um, all but assured themselves of the three points. It is three to one. Seferovic with a, a brilliant goal, really from a tough angle, and it's amazing how he scores some of these tough, tough angle goals. Yet struggles one on one in good angles. But we'll take the good with the bad. Like I said, off the ball, this guy does so much that doesn't get noticed by a lot of people. Um, extremely high work rate, and Befica now up three to one in the eighty third and the eighty fifth. Uh, Paulinho Boya, Paulinho as we've called him, wins another free kick, um, but this one's in his defensive half. He's fouled by Seferovic. Seferovic trying to uh, raise the pressure, trying to keep Portimonis back on their heels for the rest of this match. And in the 86th, Pizzi will win a free kick, fouled by the St. Paulinho. Um, and the free kick leads to uh, Andre Al the ball finds its way to Andre Almeida on the far right side. He sends a cross in, and it's a tap-in from close range um, on a driven cross. Seferovic again buries this one. 4-1 to one to Benfica. Seferovic is 21st of the season and celebrates by kissing the eagle on his jersey. As now the stadium knows, Benfica have definitely won the three points. Benfica will definitely now go into round 33 in first place with a two-point cushion. Minimum two-point cushion. Football Club de Port still to play in the round. 90th minute. Substitution for Portimonense. Tabata is subbed off replaced by Bruno Reis. Um, a good effort from Tabata, good performance. And the 90th minute, Befica will also make a substitution. And it is Fasia coming on for Pizzi. And interestingly enough, and I really liked this gesture by the manager, by, by the Mr. Bruno Reis, 
he turns to the fans behind the bench and he is waving his arms and trying to get the team up. He's clapping and he's pointing to Fasia and he's telling the Stadio de Luz to get behind, you know, one of their most reliable players of the last five years um, since he's been at, at this club. Um, really showing confidence and trying to, to lift uh, Befica Serbia International, Fasia, as he has been really surpassed in part due to injury, but in part due to fantastic form from Andreas Samaric. Fasia comes on, PZ is off, um, and in the 91st, a minute later, it would be none other than Pstolaj, the very, very reliable Jonas Pstolaj. Again, Andre Almeida with the cross, and it's a header from Jonas into the back of the net, and a really, a really uh, harsh and cruel five-one result. Um, cruel in in terms of for Portimonense did not deserve this type of a of a a heavy result. Okay, did not deserve a five-one defeat. This game was not a five-one game. Everyone is saying that. It's not just pundits. It's anybody that's honest with themselves will say that this result is an exaggerated result. However, Jonas, perhaps for the final time as a Benfica player, perhaps for the final time as a professional footballer, scoring a goal, going over to the to the camera, puts three fingers up, and then makes two zeros with his hands. Yes, that is career goal 300 for Jonas, okay, and uh, the team, the whole team celebrates with him, and perhaps this is what he was holding on for, who knows, um, a lot of rumors that he's not going to continue playing after this season, um, we'll, ha- we'll wait and see, rumors are rumors, uh, we'll see what, what comes out after the season's over, but this was the final play of the match, uh, Jonas's header into the goal, the match concludes. It's five to one for Benfica in front of a full house at the Stadio de Luz. All right, let's go to the stats now. Benfica with fifty-six percent ball possession to Portimonense's forty-four. Benfica twenty total shots to Portimonense's eleven. Accurate passes for Benfica four hundred and three with an eighty-three percent success rate versus Portimonense's three hundred and seventeen. Accurate passes to an 81% pass success rate. Very even there in that stat. Um, Benfica had a hundred, almost 100 more passes. However, both teams were almost equally as accurate. Benfica's 10 fouls to Portimonense's 11. Benfica had 7 corners in this one. Portimonense with 1. 4 offsides to Benfica. None to Portimonense. Uh, shots on target. We got 12 for Benfica to Portimonense's Five off target, four for Benfica to five more. This um, for Portimonense. Uh, neither team hit the woodwork, and that was the stats. Let's go to the player ratings in this match. All right, the man of the match was Rafa Silva, in with a rating of nine point two. He uh, would be the top, obviously, as the man of the match. The top rating of the 
of the entire match, um, not just for Benfica. Odie with a 6.6. I thought he was better than that, um, but Footmob puts him at a 6.6. Under Almeida with a very strong 8.8 rating, two more assists. He is one of the top assist getters right now in all of Europe. Um, and he is, as well as P- him and PZ together, have an amazing amount of assists, as does Grimaldo as well. They get a lot of assists from the from the wide players at Benfica. Ferru with his with a six point six, a low rating for him. Didn't seem comfortable. Didn't seem to gel well with Jardel, and seems to perhaps be better as on the other side of the center back pairing. Jardel with a seven point three, Grimaldo seven point seven, Pizzi another solid eight point seven, despite a tough. Uh, a tough 10-15 minute patch there in the middle of the park. Much better on the on the width, on the wide, uh, the flanks. 8.7, like I said. Samanich with a 6.7, subbed off early. Florentino, 6.2, recovered for his slow start. Uh, grew as the match went on, got a bit better. Like I said, Rafa, the man of the match, a 9.2 rating. João Felix with a, a 6.6 that is low for him. And Sef Ferovic, 8. Point eight. Let's go to the standings, and these are live as of right now. So this includes Moreirense's one nil win today. Um, they beat, I believe, Desportivas Avja. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I believe it was Desportivas Avja. But Benfica, top of the table with eighty one points after thirty two rounds. Football Club de Porto, 79 points in second. Six back from them in third is Sporting with 73. And then you got a nine-point gap between third and fourth where Braga sit right now on 64 points. And then another large 12-point gap between fourth and fifth. Moreirense in fifth. However, big news this week, and this really is something I have very little tolerance for and I think should be punished, honestly, both to the Federation and the club. Moreirense did not register or did not correctly register for European competition next season. They are now ineligible for the Europa League, which is ridiculous. This has been a fantastic season for them, the best in their history, and they will not be playing in Europe next year, which to me makes this all for naught. What's the point? Um, the Portuguese Federation really has to get their act together. It, it's a joke. Can you imagine... Can you imagine the fifth place team in England not playing in Europe because they didn't register correctly? Last year it was the cup winner, Sportivo de Zavge. Their registration was was done incorrectly or something, and it was a it was something that the federation had screwed up, forcing leaving them out of European competition. Again, Moreirens will not play in in European competition. So right now, with two weeks to go, Vitória Guimarães and Rio Ave seem to be battling for that last Europa League spot, assuming, of course, that they correctly registered. I guess you can't take that for granted, but sixth place is Vitória Guimarães on 46 points. Rio Ave, our opponent this week, with plenty to play for now, just four points back of Vitória Guimarães for a potential European spot in Seventh place with forty two points. Santa Clara is only a point behind them. I and we got them next week. Perhaps an outside chance for them if they pick up six points and the other two teams drop points. Um, again, that directly affects Benfica as they will be playing Benfica in the following week. Um, Code City, Belenis Sad, right behind them in ninth with forty, and then you got Maritimo after a big win over Tondela last week. Um, 
picked up thirty nine uh picked up three more points. They're now tenth on thirty nine. Eleventh is Bovista with thirty eight, twelfth is Stivas Avs and Portimonense, both twelve and thirteen on thirty six points. And now you get really into the relegation battle with just two matches to play. Vitoria Stubal fourteenth, two points clear right now in fourteenth place, thirty three points. Uh, just below them on in 15th on 32 points. One point above the line is the Flavienses from Trajusmonts hanging on for dear life. One point ahead of Tondela who's in 16th place on 31 points. They have two matches to make what is becoming their yearly escape from the relegation zone. They are now, this is the third time in four years where they're going into the end of the season uh, in the relegation zone. Will they Will they get another um, fantastic escape? We will see. Uh, the next two matches will tell. They got Sporting this weekend. A tough, tough. They got Sporting this weekend, and then they finish next weekend against Shavs in what is like a the equivalent of a title game in the relegation battle. Unless, of course, Shavs win this weekend, they will be safe with a victory. Um which, or I should say, not necessarily safe, but they will relegate Nacional with a victory. Of course, Nacional hosting Football Club do Porto on Sunday could already be relegated before that ball kicks off. Uh, a lot of criticism from from various sources on the Portuguese Federation in regards to the time scheduling of these matches. We're two, you know, we're in the penultimate week of the season. Most people, especially you know, football purists, believe that every match should be played at the same time in these two weeks. I also fall along those lines in the name of fairness and in the name of competition. But of course, this league is the Liga Nage. The league is controlled by Nage. By Nage owns Sport TV. It is owned by the media. They want to put as many games as possible on TV. They're going to stagger as many games as possible. Only the last week of the season, which is still not scheduled which day or time these matches will be played in the last week, will be played all at once as um, we have multiple, you know, a title race, a European race, and a relegation race likely all coming down to the last match of the season, and to finish out the standings Nacional, like I said, in 17th on 28 points, three points back of Tondela, four from Chaves right now. And it is out of their hands at the moment. Uh, they will need help to stay in the first division. Ferenc is last on 16 points, already relegated. And let's take a look here at the leaders. Okay, we got the scoring leaders now. In case you're not aware, Sporting with a historic win at the Jamur last week against Code City, a eight to one victory. Hat-trick for Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes is back in the Golden Boot race. He's now got 19 goals. Seferovic still atop the scoring list with 21. Like I said, Bruno Fernandes right behind him with 19. Two weeks to go. Uh, it's going to be a race to the end for the Golden Boot. or the In Portugal, they also call it the Silver Ball, the Bola Prata, which a Bola presents, the the, mag, the newspaper a Bola presents to the top scorer in the league. Rafa and Tikini Suarez are third uh, as well as Baz Dost, all three of them with 15 goals. Diego Souza has 14. He's right behind him. Uh, João Felix 
has 13. PZ has 12. Jonas 11. And Tomanea also 11. Assists. And this there is a lot of Benfica in the top 5 here. Uh, PZ still the top assist getter. He is the king of assists with 18 right now. Bruno Fernandes 5 back with 13. Andre Almeida 11. And Grimaldo 10. After that we've got Tecatito Corona from Football Club Port with 8. Alex Telish with 7. Chiquinho Soon to be Benfica, perhaps um, returning next season is the rumor. Chiquinho of Moreirense at the moment, seven assists. This includes his match today, so he's got 33. He's in round 33 when the rest of these are in 32. Uh, João Felix with seven. Marcos Acuna with seven. Otavio with seven as well. All right, we go to this week's matches. Okay, on the 11th. So it was today, 1-0 Moreirense over Avs. Tomorrow, we have Santa Clara versus Feirense. 4.30, a kickoff in uh, Portuguese time. Portimonense hosting Maritimo also at 4.30 Portuguese time, which is 11.30. Both of that, that's 11.30 here on the East Coast. 8.30 Pacific. Boa Vista hosting Braga at 6 p.m. Portuguese time, 1 p.m. East 10 a.m. Pacific, and in the evening it is Sporting hosting Tondela. Big game for Tondela. They need points. Um, they're going to try to eke out a result at the Alvalade. Sporting has, uh, uh, they just, they're on a good run of form, winning several games in a row. Um, that game kicking off at at 9:30 p.m. Portuguese time. Which makes it five hours earlier here, nine minus five, four thirty p.m. I believe here in the United States uh, on the East Coast Pacific time. That would be one thirty p.m. Sunday we got some more matches uh, for four p.m. start time. Vitori Gimaraj versus Bolinis Sad. Vitori um, Gimaraj, like I said, trying to uh, sew up that last Europa League spot that Morirens will not be occupying. Also at that same time, Shavs hosting Vitoria Stubal. Shavs with the victory uh, will relegate Nacional. Okay? And, and just a little bit later, 6.30 um, Portuguese time, Nacional versus Football Club do Porto at the Chopana in the island of Madeira. And lastly, um, at saying 21, I thought it was at 20, it's at 21, so that's 9 p.m. in Portugal, 4 p.m. here in the United States, on the east side of the United States, 1 p.m. Pacific, Riuav hosting Sport Lisboa Benfica, the last game of the week, a late kickoff, and potentially Benfica can leave can leave the pitch on Sunday night as champions if they get a little help from Nacional. If Porto drop any points, Benfica with the win can sew up the title and we could have a party in the Marquês already this Sunday. We'll see. Okay. That sums up the match this past week against Portimonense. Stay there. We're going to do a quick preview of the Riuav the upcoming Chihuahua match on the other side of the, the this announcement. Stay there. This is Mr. Benfica. Don't forget on Twitter at Benfica Mister and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. We'll be right back.
All right, welcome back as we get ready to preview Sunday's match away to Riwave. Benfica and Riwave in the last 21 meetings. Benfica have won 19, two have been drawn, Riwave have won two. Uh, if you look back and you remember back to the beginning of this year, uh, January 6, 2019, first game of the year, Bruno Lige's first match in charge was against this Riwav team. Okay, let's look back and see how much things may have changed. Let's look at the lineup in that matchup. Okay, so Benfica started in a 4-4-2. This was the first time we saw the 4-4-2. And they started with Odie in goal, Andre Almeida, Ruben Diaz, Jardel, and Grimaldo. The midfield was Salviu, Feja, Pizzi, and Servi, a much different looking midfield with Seferovic and João Felix, with two goals each up top. Um, this was, I remember this match pretty distinctly, okay, um, without getting into too much. Hiwav got off to a 2 nothing lead, okay, and I remember this, I remember very well, because for whatever reason, I'd watched enough of the B team that I really liked what I'd seen from Bruno Lage's team and from his coaching. And Chihuahua uh, got off to a 2-0 lead, like I said. Yet, for whatever reason, that day, the stadium did not did not give up. The stadium did not turn on this team. Uh, the stadium was excited for this coach. And the fans were encouraging Benfica. And Benfica would make a comeback. So the first goal would be scored. And I'm going to pull it up now. Benfica's first goal. This was back in the first half, obviously. Uh, let's see. It was a, a high-scoring first half with with Chihuahua jumping out 2-0. Okay. And then first goal went to Seferovic in the 26th minute on an assist from Grimaldo. And then just a few minutes later, the 30th, João Felix would score a right-footed shot in the center of the box. And uh, one of the goals that we've seen him score so many times. When he's free in the box, making his run towards the near post, and he gets his foot on the in-swinging in cross, burying it. Okay? It was 2-2, and that's how we went into halftime. And in the second half, Benfica would take the lead, and I think everyone was expecting this. I mean, there was a, an air of confidence and an air of calmness in the entire stadium that day. In the 63rd minute, João Felix would score an assist from Zivkovic. And the final goal came from Seferovic in the 69th, making it 4-2 on an assist from Pizzi. Benfica, um, that was their first win in a long string of wins, okay? At this time, we were seven points behind Porto, okay? We picked up this victory, and... We have only dropped two points since this match, okay? Uh, Benfica have had a stellar, stellar second half of the season form-wise, okay? That being said, this is a dangerous matchup for Benfica. This is a very, very good Riuav team that can attack quickly, okay? Riuav just took points off Porto not long ago, okay? Um... They showed how dangerous they were, down two goals, and in the last five minutes, finding two goals to draw 2-2, which at that time we were 
celebrating, but I I said at that time also I reminded let's let's remember we're playing this team very soon. So I'm gonna pull up Hiwab's team that won a week ago on the road at Morenes at a strong Morenes team. Okay, here is the lineup as they lined up last week. Okay, in goal they had Leonardo. Uh, the four across the back. This is a good back line. Junyu on the right. Bor- Borukovic in the middle. Paired with Ruben Semedo, who is a Portugal international. And, of course, we all know the left back, Fabio Coentrão. Um, a pair of midfielders that are very good in the two-holding mid. Felipe Augusto, who we know very well. As well as the Portuguese league veteran, Tarantini. Um, Nuno Sancho up front, another player that we know well, uh, Jelson and Gabriel Zinho. This is a strong team, and their striker is Bruno Moreira. Okay, this team has potential. This team can hurt us. If we come out the way we came out in the last two games, we will find ourselves down again. And sooner or later, the Javira Volta is not going to come around. Okay, so sooner or later, the comeback isn't going to work. The ball's not going to go in. We cannot allow to ourselves to continue to fall behind okay we cannot spare a loss puts us right back in second place remember that Porto are playing Nacional Nacional may be very unmotivated come that that match okay um, and Porto have Sporting in the last week they almost have six guaranteed points if they need it at this point we cannot afford a loss we at very at the very least have to come away with the draw but we cannot go in playing for the draw it's been proven this year this team does not have the maturity or the defensive awareness or the tactical awareness quite frankly at this point um, to play that way secondly it's just a very dangerous uh, slippery way to play the match and to go into any match to play not to lose okay so we have to go there with the intention of winning this game okay and coming back for the final game of the season at the luge with a two-point advantage at the very minimum okay this team has to be focused early i expect a huge huge welcoming um in viola do Conde. expect fantastic support and it's been said by a lot of people in the past weeks. Befica has been better supported on the road almost than at home lately. Um, this road support has been phenomenal. Um, as Befica fans just are behind the team 100%, especially on the road, there needs to be that same presence there this Sunday. How confident am I in this game was my Fenupao, as they say? Uh, on a 1-10, to 10, I, I have about an 8 that will get the results that we need. I'm, I'm not sure about a victory. But as long as, you know, this team plays to its capabilities and as long as we limit our mistakes, okay, and we survive, you know, we serve. <sighs> Befica are two different teams this season, okay, under Bruno Lage. There's the Befica that scores early and scores often. And then there's the Benfica that struggles to get on the board and falls behind or just really, really looks bad until they can get that goal. Uh, hopefully we'll be more of the Benfica that scores early. An early goal could be huge and helpful. Um, as far as I know, everybody's healthy for this for this game. Uh, Ruben Dias will be back in the starting lineup as he returns from suspension. No question, Dias and Ferro are our top 
uh, pair for the center back position. There's no question there. Um, Rafa's on on fine form. He needs to continue to do what he does to use his speed to just break break lines with his dribbling. Um, Pizzi needs to continue to be the king of the assists, and we need we need Safarovic and João Felix to find the back of the net. Cannot stress how important this game is. Obviously, for obvious reasons, this 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 formation that that Hiwav played last week going to be hard to break down. Okay, two holding mids, three center mids in front of that. It's going to be hard to pass in between those lines to break those lines. We're going to need the top players to really do something special and to pull something out of nothing at some point in this game and get control. We get the lead and then they're going to have to come out. Okay, they need a result too. They they're not just there to try to spoil. They need a result. Um, it'll also depend on how Guimarães do earlier in the game. So, uh, earlier in the day, I should say. I will be rooting for Guimarães so that may, perhaps they can uh, maybe maybe get away a bit from Chihuahua in the standings and maybe kill their motivation just a little bit more. But remember, there's always the, the Malita in the bonuses. And it was reported, I think. I forgot where I read it today, if it was in Obala or where it was, that Pep is offering bonuses to, to Hiwav players for taking points. Absolutely ridiculous that this is allowed to go on. It really makes the Portuguese league look ridiculous. These these militas, these bonuses, or donativos is what Paulo Futre called them, and that there's nothing wrong with them. All right. Um... That's basically where we stand. Oh, we got to go out and we got to do it, okay? Uh, it is Sunday. The game is Sunday afternoon. I thought it was at 4 o'clock. It's at uh, 3 o'clock. It's saying 4 o'clock. Sit tight for a moment. I'm going to check my my DVR, and I will tell you exactly what time this game is kicking off. If you just hang with me for a moment while my internet uh, searches. So we got Sunday, of course, uh, also is here in the United States Mother's Day. Um, so I'll take this opportunity right now to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the United States and to every other mother everywhere, especially a mother of a Benfiquista or a mother who is a Benfiquista. Uh, very happy Mother's Day to you, whether it's Mother's Day where you live or not. Um, my best wishes. So we, I have Sunday right here pulled up, and let's see, we have Benfica versus, or I should say Benfica at. It, it looks, it's a three o'clock kickoff. It is on RTP as well as on Goal TV. Um, this coming Sunday, actually, I'm seeing it only. It, okay, this is important to know, people. This game is on RTP. It is not going to be live on Goal TV. I'm glad I looked this up. Uh, Goal TV will be showing Ecuadorian Serie A at 4.15 at the time of this kickoff. So Benfica will actually, amazingly, not be on Goal TV this weekend. They have carried the entire season, and there's a chance, really, that they may not carry the champion, the game that decides the championship. That is amazing. 
and it's telling me my cloud DVR is full. Interestingly enough, I'll have to delete something to make room for that because uh, you got to watch it more than once. You know how it is. Uh, <laughs> let's see what I've got planned. But so it is three o'clock, not four o'clock, um, on Sunday. Forgot what I said earlier. It's going to be three o'clock, and I've already got it scheduled to record. Perfect. RTPE. Uh, okay. So if you have the Fubo app, you will in the Portuguese package. You will have RTPE. Not you will have to figure out a way to get it. Okay. Um, so that'll be Sunday. Don't forget. Okay. Enjoy the match, everybody. Also, I just want to say, I am working right now on moving material over to my new Parking the Bus channel. I've moved it away from Podbean, like I said earlier. Uh, I decided I was not happy with Podbean, with the with the with the what I was getting for what I was paying. Um, not that it was a lot of money, but I just wasn't getting any distribution at all. So. I'll be putting up some shows slowly over the next couple of weeks. When summertime comes around, be full speed ahead, okay? Um, and I want to announce that whatever happens in these last two weeks, there will be Mr. Benfica over the summer, okay? I will I will continue to do stuff over the summer because there's plenty to talk about. Um, there is classic games I want to break down and take everyone back to yesteryear. We can talk about the difference of the game now and the game then. Benfica's played in so many, so many historic classic games. There's tons of them available just on YouTube alone. I'll post links so that everyone can watch it and we'll talk about the game. Also, I'll br I'll also do some reviews on some of the Vittorio and Patrimonius. Okay, the documentaries. I will do some biographies. Um, I'll do an episode on... There's a Ozebu documentary out there I'm going to watch and I'm going to do a review for. So we'll change it up throughout the summer. I'll keep creating some stuff for you guys because um, the mister does not want to stop. Uh, I want this Benfica thing to keep going, all right? So I'll use the, the free time where there's no matches to break down to break down some cool stuff. Talk a lot about um, the history of Benfica, something I'm very, very passionate, very, very interested in. And I'll do some research and we'll go over some different topics, all right? We'll talk about some modalidades. We'll talk about uh, mostly soccer, obviously. And I really want to do a handful of classic match breakdowns, classic match reviews throughout the summer. So make sure you stay tuned all summer long to Mr. Benfica. I am Mr. Benfica, the Mr. Mike Agustino. That is at Benfica Mr. on Twitter, at Mr. Benfica on Facebook. Mr. Benfica, just search for it on Facebook. I mean, not at, but it's just Mr. Benfica on Facebook and at Mr. Benfica on Instagram, okay? Um, questions, concerns, DM me, tweet me, whatever you want, all right? If you send me any audio, I'll be more than happy to play it, all right? Here is a listener question from Neil. There's two questions. It's a two-part question, Okay. So uh, sit tight, we're going to play that right now, and I'll come back on the other side and answer his question. What do you think about the rumors that Benfica wants to get this backup goalie from Barcelona? Honestly, I feel like Odie is doing a good enough job. I mean, it's not like this guy starts at Barcelona, he's a backup. So I think you just keep things the way they are. Maybe bring him in and loan out. Um, what's his face? Spilar. Slobin is still a young goalie. 
just want to know your thoughts as silly season is approaching us. Rumors, rumors, rumors. And that was a friend of the show, Neil, there uh, up in Toronto. Um, he's talking, of course, about Barcelona's Dutch backup goalkeeper, Jasper Kalisen. Okay, uh, rumored very heavily to be on his way to Benfica. And he wants to know my thoughts on on that, how that signing would go for Benfica. Um, I think it's good. Here's what I think. I, of course, I hope we're not overpaying for him. Um, but I think what is lacking this year on this team, and because we've seen some... We've seen a bit of a drop-off at times with Odie. Okay, I think what Odie needs is a legitimate backup goalkeeper that threatens his position. Okay, and I don't think we had that this season with with Svilar. I don't think we had it with Slobin. Slobin's the B-team keeper. Um, obviously, Bruno Varela didn't threaten his position either as he was offloaded to Ajax. Um I think Svilar has to go out on loan if he has any. If he wants any chance of being this team's goalkeeper, he can't continue to sit another season on the bench without playing. He needs to go on loan to either you know a Moreirense, a Vitória Guimarães, a Vitória Stubal, whatever, to a team in the Portuguese league where he's going to get a lot of work and where we can keep a close eye on him. So I think bringing uh, Kailisen to Befica is a good thing if we can if it's within you know the if he's affordable, you know, in by Benfica standards, I think it's a good. I think it'll be a good signing, a good transfer, um, as he calls it, the crazy season. As <laughs> transfer season is right around the corner, and everything and anything will be rumored and will be printed and will be you know posted for clickbait by the media in Portugal, and I think that. I think Odie needs a challenge for to get the best out of him. I think he needs a, a legitimate challenger to his spot. And not just him, a lot of players. I think having legitimate competition within the squad for positions and for playing time is only going to help the team. That That's what I think about it. Um, let's. He had a second part to his question, so sit right there. Let, let's listen to the second part of Neil's question. The other rumor, I don't know if you've read, is... In the event that Grimaldo leaves, we would sign Alberto Moreno, the left-back of Liverpool. I can't see that one happening, because honestly, Liverpool could still win EPL, and they could very well win Champions League. In fact, I could see them beating Tottenham. So, in the event that that happens... It's going to drive up the value of Liverpool players. I don't think we can afford them. And Vieta's cheap. He's not going to spend $20, $30 million on a left-back, nor do I expect him to. Anyways, just wondering your thoughts on that. Keep up the good work, brother. Hope all is well. So in response to that, Neil, uh, Alberto Moreno, for me, too expensive. Um, overpriced. And I'd rather see that kind of money invested elsewhere on the pitch. I'd rather see it invested, frankly, on another striker 
to to match up and compete with Seferovic and to add depth. That's one place we're really lacking depth. I think we need another central defender. Um, I believe that Jardel just does. I think Jardel's days are behind him. To be honest, I hope I'm not offending anybody by saying that, but I do. I think we need to get younger there. Um, if we lose Ruben Diaz, especially, we need another defender. Uh, center central defender, and we need. We could use another attacking midfielder as well, um, that plays in the middle of the park uh, to complement or back up Gabriel. Um, or Jetson can become that player if we give him the opportunity to. But if he's going to go out, you know, now there's transfer rumors involving every player, so we don't know who's going to be here next year. We don't know what holes we're going to have to plug up. I don't see left back being the position we spend that kind of money at. Um, quick reminder: next week, obviously, we got another episode. We'll review this this match with Riuave, and we'll look forward to the final match, the finale against Santa Clara. Still, we don't know if it's next Sunday or next Saturday. Next Saturday is, however, it is marked in stone. It is the women's Tasset Portugal final at the Jamor. They're playing at at 3 p.m. Portuguese time. Okay, so that's 10 a.m. here uh, on the Eastern time zone. 7 a.m. on the Pacific time zone. Um, knowing this league and this federation, they... I wouldn't be surprised if they put these games like back to back, which would be ridiculous. Dividing the fan base between two games, um, there's I'm sure there's fans that want to go to both. Please, Liga Nage, put time between. Do not schedule these games for five o'clock on Saturday next week. Um, I know they're gonna take into account um, television, obviously, but. Um, I hope I'm hoping that the women play Saturday. I hope the men play next Sunday. That's all. But um, I'd also really like to see that if the women go ahead and win this this final de Tassa, I think they should have a bus going to the Marquez as well. Um, assuming the you know the men got to win, and I think both teams should go to the Marquez. Arsenal did this back you know way back the last time. Uh, Arsenal won the Premier League. The, they also won the Ladies Premier League in the same season. And both teams each had their own bus go, going through their parade. I think that would show a real commitment to the women's team if uh, they get to tag along on the ride to the Marquez. But we are four points away from even thinking about the Marquez. Uh, Got to get three points this week. And then we can maybe talk about it a little bit more. All right. That's it for this week, everybody. Uh, don't forget, catch us on Twitter at Benfica Mister, on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, and on Facebook, just search for Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu saying goodbye, so long. We will see you next week, okay? Enjoy your football this weekend. Enjoy your week. Viva Benfica, Quejega Benfica, Adam Ut. 37. Bye, everybody.